Hey, if you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world World of of food. food. First, good news for fans of Lucky Charms. They're bringing back their packets of just marshmallows in resealable bags for a limited time. Pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, green clovers, and blue diamonds. Second. (laughs) (laughs) Just that voice makes me happy. Blue diamonds. (laughs) Second, what food is fit for a king? They've revealed some of the food that will be served for the coronation of King Charles, including... Coronation roast rack of lamb with Asian-style marinade. Mm. Prawn tacos with pineapple sauce. And (laughs) strawberry and ginger trifle. So those are some of the things on the menu for the king. Uh, Finally, in the world of food, have you heard of the great cake debate? People are arguing about which piece of sheet cake is superior so picture a sheet cake, it's frosted, and then there's a little bit of extra frosting around the edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the corner piece, the middle, the end, completely in the middle? Some say it all depends on what kind of frosting's on the cake. Mm. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Coming up, letting go is good for your mental health. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Big news, forgiveness is good for your mental health. As followers of Jesus, we already know that we're called to forgive because he has forgiven us. But this was a secular look on forgiveness. And guess what? After just two weeks of using an app or a workbook that focused on forgiving others, people showed a huge reduction in depression and anxiety symptoms. What's wild, the author of the research, his name is Everett Worthington. He was in the middle of his life's work on forgiveness when his own mother was killed. And he had to work hard to apply that research about forgiveness to his own life. It is interesting when uh, the secular world uh, does things that are, are biblical when, and then they mm-hmm. act like they came up with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, well, you're you're a genius. Way to go. Good. Good going. You when it was in there in the Bible the the whole time. Okay, so you know there's a lot of people, they are animal lovers and so they're self-proclaimed. They're like, oh, like Kevin, I have five dogs. But my mother-in-law took being, quote, an animal lover to an extreme I've never seen before. I'll tell you what happened in just a minute. So who would you say is the biggest animal lover in your life? I'll never forget when I met my husband, Glenn, one of the first things I noticed about him is he was the first person I ever met that speaks to every single animal he sees. We were on this Wheaton in the Holy Lands trip and he would talk to the dogs and talk to the cats and then... When I met his family, I figured out where it all came from. I I nicknamed them quickly the Dr. Doolittle family because they had so many animals, dogs, cats. They even had a deer that lived in the house. Uh, They had chickens. They had goats. So when I heard this story about Glenn's mom the other day, I shouldn't have been surprised. She took her animal loving to the next level. She um, there was a bee in the house. And she figured out how to rescue it. And when she got the bee outside, it was really lethargic and seemed like it wasn't doing well and it might not make it. So she gave it mouth to mouth. She (laughs) Next best thing. She got out some honey and put it on a plate. And the honey, the bee was like, oh, thank you so much. And just started like eating the honey and then flew away. So she, she rescued a bee with honey and I'm like, oh my goodness, you truly are the Dr. Doolittle family. My husband will rescue bugs if he can too. 
much we're talking about animals, how much we love them, and talking to animals. I find it impossible to drive by, like if you're in the in the country and you drive by a pasture and there's horses, to drive by that and not go, horse! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll even do it when I'm out on my road bike. I'll go, horsey, and then when I get by the horses, I'll go, or something like that. I'll try to talk. Like their language. Yours is so different than me because I do baby talk. Like yeah. if I see a deer yeah. when I'm out trail running, mm-hmm. I'll go, hi, baby. How are you today? So it's like baby talk. Why? I don't go like. Why? Why do you feel horse. like that's a better mode of communication for, for I deer? I didn't say it was better. I just said it's for, different. Yeah. And it's just very different how we choose cows, to communicate though, to animals. If I go by and there's pa- there's a pasture of cows, I don't go cow. I go moo. <laughs> You're speaking their language. That's what I'm, I'm attempting to bridge the gap between, Whereas I try between and, species. Yeah, I speak human baby talk to an animal, which to them probably just sounds like blah, 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 blah. Right, but but higher pitched. Yes. <laughs> Whereas you speak the same language as a horse. I try to. I'm probably to. I try to, but they're probably it's probably like when, I don't know, someone who's third language is Spanish and they try to speak Spanish. That's probably what it sounds like yes. <laughs> to, the, to the horse or to the cow or whatever. You know how Kevin and I have been encouraging you to join the He Gets Us fans community? Well, I was doing one of the devotionals that He Gets Us wrote and it meant so much to me because I lost my dad back in January and it talks about just how much Jesus was acquainted with grief. Mm. I mean, he had his cousin brutally murdered, John, John the Baptist, and then he lost his best friend, Lazarus. And he knows what it's like to go through pain. And that just meant so much to me to, to just mm-hmm. co- try to comprehend that the God of the universe knows what us humans go through. And this campaign is trying to reach millions of Americans discovering the life changing impact of Jesus. And you can get behind the He Gets Us campaign by joining the fans community. It's real easy to do. Just grab your phone and text the word fans, F-A-N-S, to the number 70193. That's fans to 70193 and you'll join the community of other folks who are supporting He Gets Us. Okay, chances are you're Kids have probably done something not so smart. Well, coming up, (laughs) what if the whole world knew what your kid did? Chances are your kids have probably done something not so smart. Mm -hmm. But what if their mistake made the news and got spread all around the entire world? That happened to a mom and a dad in South Korea. Their son was on a field trip to an art museum when he destroyed a $120,000 piece of art. Now, in the kid's defense, the art was a ripe banana duct taped to a blank wall. <laughs> <laughs> and when they questioned the kid is, why, how could you just destroy this work of art? What were you thinking? The kid said, I was hungry. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they, uh, they taped a new banana onto the wall. And the artwork was saved. They have to replace the banana every couple of days anyway. Oh, okay. Because it's, you know, you can't let it get all, you know how bananas get when they get really ripe and they get all like mm-hmm. runny? They Ugh. should leave it. That should be part of the, I it, know. it should be a, a living Watch or it in this case, dying work, work, right. work of art. I mean, I think they're missing the, I think they're missing the point there.
But those poor parents, the whole world knows their kid ate the art. <laughs> so I, I think every parent has been there. Their kids have done something maybe in a public setting that has embarrassed them. Maybe not internationally known, like the kid that destroyed the art project <laughs> in Korea. But has your kid ever done something publicly that's embarrassed you? We'd love to hear the story. Ah, kids. Children, when they come along, they're a delight. They're a delight. They are They are a joy. And they also provide some of life's most embarrassing moments for moms and dads in highly public places, including one of our kids. Um, we had just started going back to church and we walked. So we were like, we're going. I, I was like this kind of dad. We're, if we're going, we're, we're jumping into the deep end. We're sitting right down front. And this child got an itch on their bum and proceeded to scratch it in front of the whole congregation, like walked out in front of the whole congregation. That was our <laughs> glorious re-entry into, we're going to start going to church. Did again. the pastor comment on it? Uh, no. Oh, that's <laughs> Thank <good>. goodness. <laughs> but then another time, uh, churches provided an endless stream of embarrassing moments for us. One of, uh, it was one of the services where they had the kids involved in helping doing like readings from the Bible and, you know, like, leading a lot of the service they wanted to get the kids involved in doing it and one of my daughters got up and was doing a reading about uh it included pharaoh and she she the word pharaoh came up the first time and she said faharo no i looked at the rest of the reading and pharaoh came up like four more times and she said it wrong every time come on pharaoh let my people go it's like obviously someone didn't pre-read this that's awesome too cute so do you have any similar situations where your kids have uh embarrassed you in a public setting they've made you feel like oh my gosh yep that one's mine. <laughs> Donna, we're talking about times that our kids embarrassed us in public, and your son was little when he embarrassed you. When he was probably three, we were at a mall at Christmas time, and we were you know, on the top level yeah. looking down at the little bear choir, you know, the little Aww. stuffed animal choir. And there was a little choir director down there that was, you know, directing the bears. Well, he was in an umbrella stroller, wasn't paying attention. He turned around and got in my pocketbook, and let's just say he pulled out a couple of feminine products. <laughs> and he decided to start directing the choir with me not even knowing it. <laughs> and so everybody was looking, thinking he was so cute. And I looked down and I saw it and I just, I could have fell to the floor. <laughs> it's the perfect conductor baton. There you were. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so priceless. Bless his heart. One, one thing we'll never forget. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. You made yeah, her thanks, day. thanks, Donna. Absolutely. Y'all have a good one. Hey, this is your guaranteed to put you in a good mood story of the day. Good news. Is it prom season in your family? Maybe there's been a promposal. You're shopping for dresses. Well, check out how these kids got to go. Dreams came true for kids at Washington High School in North Carolina. After one parent posted to Facebook the idea... Hey, how about we send a class full of special needs kids to prom? Well, they were shocked because donations poured in Hmm. to cover the prom outfits, dinner at the Washington Yacht and Country Club, 
photos, and even a red carpet leading up to a stretch limo. Hmm. The kids had a blast, but their teacher and parents were super touched by the kindness. Incredible that they get the same opportunity as their peers that are at the high school with them, and we've been looking forward to this for so long, so it's a really exciting night. This is a blessing. This is a dream come true. The kids, you should have seen the smiles and them cutting a rug on the dance floor. It was Hmm. so cute. They had a blast. That's awesome. So when you were in high school, do you feel like people really knew you? Or was there a part of you that were just like, I I don't think they got to know me. I I don't think that they really knew the true me. Well, there's a a kid that's graduating this year that had a secret identity for four years. Get out. And he finally revealed it during his Ah, senior year. And it's so so cool. Tell you about it next. Okay, guys, this this is one of my favorite stories I've heard in a long time. Now, when you were in high school, do you feel like people really knew the real you? There's a lot of pretension in high school, right? A lot of masks you wear and you try to be cool, even though you're inside, you know, you're probably the dorkiest person that the good Lord ever created, right? Well, there's this kid, Dalton Sewell, and he is a self-described nerd. Not a not a jock, didn't play football, didn't play basketball. He and his friends had no interest in going to games. Well, one day early in his freshman year, he's walking down the hall, and this teacher stopped him and said, would you like to be the school mascot, Wolfie? And he said, no. And then he got home that night, and he was talking to his mom, who knew this teacher, and she said, oh, she asked you because no one else will do it. So after a couple of nights of thinking about it, he went back to her and goes, I'll do it. He goes, but I don't want anybody to know it's me. So he did all four years of high school being Wolfie the mascot, and no one knew it. I wonder how hard that was to pull off. Like he obviously couldn't get dressed at school, right? right? His his mom coordinated all of it with him. He said away games were were particularly hard because they didn't know the layout of like the field or the the gym. So they would go on Google and look at satellite images for where she could drop him off. Oh, how funny! And he wouldn't wouldn't be detected. And and at first he said it was you know he was a little self conscious doing it, so he really didn't do like dances or cheers or anything. Mm -hmm. He would just like pick people out of the crowd and play like rock, paper, scissors with the kids or whatever, do stuff like that. Um, Then COVID hit and they had this six foot distance rule. He couldn't be within six feet of anyone. So he was like, all right, I got to do something. So he would do like the cheerleader dances and routines. And he said at first he wasn't very good and he was really self-conscious, but people loved it when he messed up. So he grew in confidence and he did his junior year, his senior year. And he decided this past year, Dalton did. I will reveal Took his head off. that it's me. And he invited all of his friends. You have to go to this basketball game on this day. Something big's going to happen. And uh, they showed up and he walked out like dressed as himself and was like, for past four years, I've been Wolfie the mascot. That's awesome. Only me and my mom. Knew. So they thought he was just at home playing video games. I guess, yeah. And he yeah, was yeah. really the mascot. And and like I don't know what your kids were like or what you were like in high school, but when he was a freshman, he was pretty scrawny, barely fit into the costume. And by his senior year, he had no problem with it. But like the first year, the the head was too big and was falling down oh, and stuff. Funny. Um, I love that story. That is, is that so the fun. Best story. I, I love it. And he said, now he walks down the hall and every everybody calls him Wolfie now. Now that they know that it was him, and he says he's going to miss it. When he graduates, he's going to miss being the uh, Hey, I know somebody who is a professional mascot for a living, so there could be a future for him. Yeah, maybe there is. Maybe there is, but isn't that a fun story? I just love that. Way to go, Dalton. We know you know a teacher that goes over and above for his or her students, and this one teacher came up with the most incredible idea to calm her students down when they were so stressed about taking state exams. Tell you what she thought of next. I'm telling you, a great idea if you think of it. It is Teacher Appreciation Week, 
And it just send a little text to a teacher in your life that could use some encouragement because they work so hard. You know they're making a huge difference in the, these kids' lives. Well, there's a teacher that um, I wish I would have had when I was a kid because I don't know about you, Kev, but I got so stressed out about tests. I was mm-hmm. I could do projects, I could do papers, I could do science fair experiments, but you ask me to take a test and I would get pretty nervous, especially if it's those standardized state exams and then mm. you're like, how is my number two pencil? Is it sharpened? And, um, well, there's an elementary teacher in, in Texas, in Dallas, and her name is Crochet Powell. And she was trying to make life a little bit better for her students who were about to take state exams. And so she all of a sudden started passing out these envelopes and the kids were like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And they opened them up, and inside, each child had a letter from a mom or a dad or a big brother and big or a big sister encouraging them that they were going to do a great job on the exam. Oh, that's and great. And you should see the smiles on their faces. Cool. They're just like, no way, Miss Powell. Hmm. That's so cool that you got this letter for me. So if you have a good story of a teacher going above and beyond like Crochet Powell in Dallas, we would love to hear from you. We're talking about teachers and the impact they can make, especially the ones that go above and beyond. You can tell it's a calling. It's not a job, right? And in uh, sixth grade at the school I went to, everyone wanted Mr. McDade. Mr. McDade was known for as being the cool teacher. He didn't eat lunch in the teacher break room. He would eat lunch in the cafeteria with the kids. He'd sit at the table. Very and smart. The only thing he did that was that was a little teacher elitist is he would have a bottle of Coke. No one no one was allowed <laughs> to have uh, soft drinks. You had to have milk. You know, with your your lunch, or whatever he'd sit, but he would sit with us recess. He didn't stand in the teacher huddle. He was like our all time quarterback, our all time pitcher. He would play with the kids at at recess. He started a running club. Like my my enthusiasm for running and cycling, you know, endurance sports, trace it right back to Mister McDade. He was That's just awesome. an awesome teacher that threw himself into. He was not there to gossip with the other teachers he was there to make an impact on kids lives and he definitely did i mean when they would announce you would get your teacher assignment for the next year on the last day so like the last day of fifth grade you found out what teacher you got and every kid was like please please let me get mr (laughs) mcdade i so want mr mcdade is there any bigger compliment that a teacher could get than every kid wants to get you when you're rising up into into your grade Hey, Kev, I know how much you love cars, so you would appreciate this. They're going old school on brand new cars, bringing back a feature a lot of us have been missing. You want to guess what it is? CD player. No? Uh. That shows how music-oriented you are. You like music more than cars. Well, that, well no, I have a, the world's largest bootleg collection, and they're uh, all on CDs, yeah. and I don't feel like transferring them to a thumb drive. So anyhow, but that's what I would like. The to old about. school feature that we've been begging for that they're finally bringing back is buttons and knobs. Hmm. Automakers are starting to admit drivers hate touchscreens. Now, why are they suddenly paying attention? Well, because customers are revolting. Now, why have they been so hesitant? <laughs> we find our customers revolting. They're revolting. <laughs> That's why, the way you said that. It sounded weird. Do you want to? Do you want to know why car makers have been like, no, we don't want to go back to knobs? Oh, uh, because it's going to cost money. Yes, <laughs> touchscreens only fifty bucks. Yeah, always follow knobs the money. Knobs are very expensive. Well, if, if the touchscreens are only fifty dollars, why do they say they're more expensive to repair then? 
Like if you get a t- you are. get your touch well no if a touchscreen is only fifty dollars and something goes wrong with it why don't you just put a new one in oh you know what I mean the wires well, that they gotta, it. we got to fix your touchscreen that's gonna be nine million dollars sorry mm. you know that that's what you always get when it's when it's electronics I would like to see them bring back the CD player and something else I would like to see them do um, because I'm a fan of AM radio. There's talk that like manufacturers are not going to have AM. When you go buy a new car, it's not going to have AM radio. That is just wrong. Yeah. Just leave it. Just give me the option. Let me decide right. that. You don't decide that for me. Yeah. Right? I, I, sent, so, I sent a very stern email about that. Did you? To whom? To my representatives. Really? Yeah. Wow. Look at you, little activist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got to protect the home turf, the, our radio turf. I'm just, I'm just, all I'm doing is complaining about it. <laughs> like, you know, every other American, I'm not I, actually going to do anything. <laughs> oh, I sent a stern email. I'm such an activist. <laughs> do you have more than one son or daughter coming up? The surprising and simple way to connect with each child. Do you have more than one son or daughter? They revealed a surprising and simple way to connect with each child. Of course, parenting is not easy, but these three things may help you connect. Number one, start each day by speaking each of your child's name directly to them. And like, well, boy, you good can't, morning, Kevin. You it can't be like uh, Taylor, or, or it should be like Taylor, not Taylor. Right, exactly. They say because you you're so tempted as a mom or dad to start barking commands. Uh, studies show there's a unique brain activation at work when someone hears his or her own name in contrast to the other name, to the names of others. So I don't know if you noticed, Kev. I know you're not my child, but you're my coworker. So the first thing I did today when I saw you is I tried to say your name. Oh, yeah? I said, good morning, Kevin. Huh. Well, uh, you know what? Every parent listening right now is like, yeah, I start off that way. <laughs> right? Hey, <laughs> hey, Janie, time to wake up. Five minutes later, Janie, let's get moving. Five minutes later, Janie, we have got to go. Yeah. Janie! <laughs> <laughs> so every parent starts off that way. Right. Okay, so here's the second tip to connect with each child. Uh, first one was use their name. Number two, mm-hmm. Look each child in the eye with love and care and concern when you speak to them. (laughs) And the third and final simple way to connect with each of your children, pick a song that just you and your child share between the two of you. For example, if your daughter has brown eyes, it could be this one. say a song really bonds you to each kid <laughs> who, who comes up with this stuff in the in the craziness that is the morning rush to get out the door what parent has the time to do all that that's what i'm wondering to be that calm and that ohm Janie, we're going to sing your favorite song now i know we're running late that's okay <laughs> if, you, if you've mastered that art I'd love to know how you did it. So that advice to speak your child's name calmly, you know, with love, that's great advice. But in the minutia of uh, the real world, sometimes that's not going to happen because we live in a fallen world with kids who do kids who do dumb stuff a lot. And then there you are, mom and dad, having to clean it up or correct or whatever. So on a scale of one to ten, when it comes to the craziness of like, I don't know, trying to get out the door to go to school or church, where are you? One being totally calm, ten being completely stressed. Where are you? Give us a call. Faith, we're talking about how crazy is it in your house when you're trying to get out of the door, you know, to go to school or church and get everybody going on a scale of one to ten, with one being a total quiet moment of calm 
and 10 being it's absolutely crazy, the wheels are falling off the bus. Where do you guys land? Well, I would say I feel like we land at about a 6 or a 7. Um, but I just asked the kids, and they said I'm only a little bit stressed. So I feel oh. like that's Ooh, you're pulling it so, off. Where are you? <laughs> From their perspective, yeah. <laughs> That's a good question because, you know, every day is different. Whether we're crying about socks or a toy, then we're probably closer to an eight. But if we're all things are fine, then we're probably right in the middle somewhere. Yeah. See, then you go you go through the stress of finding said sock or toy and the kid is like, oh, great. I'm a two. Whereas mom has just, you know, her stress meter has gone through 11. You're crawling around on the floor going, this is what my life has come to. I'm looking for an action figure. I'm going to be late to work. <laughs> many times to the point where I tell them we're not looking for it anymore. Good for you. We're talking about how stressful it can be getting out the door for uh, like school or church, work, just trying to get everybody moving in one direction and be where you need to go on time. And I think there's one place, one time in particular, the kids get to be easy, easy, light and breezy, no stress. And meanwhile, mom and dad have been running around like crazy people to make something happen. And that is... Vacation. Kids just get strapped into the back of the car and off you go to the beach or whatever. And it just all happens, right? And I think of when my my kids were little, we used to rent a beach house every summer for about a week. And man, first of all, you had to scrimp and save and cut corners just to pay for the thing. That was number one. Uh, Then number two, mom and dad had to be responsible for everybody getting everything packed. Because when the kids are little, you can't trust that they're going to get everything they need, right? You've got to pack Mm -hmm. for them. And there were six of us. So my wife, she'd have to make sure she was packed. The kids were packed. We'd take our dogs. All the stuff for the dogs were packed. So she was pretty stressed before we ever pulled out of the driveway. Then there's the, like, five-hour drive just to get there. And then when we get there... Who's carrying the boogie boards, making sure we have enough sunscreen, (laughs) towels, everything else to go to the beach? It's mom and dad. The kids are just Mm -hmm. like, yay, let's go to the beach all day. No wonder my mom got a migraine every time we hit the road. (laughs) True story. (laughs) The uh, family that that I grew up with behind me, the O'Farrells, Mr. and Mrs. O'Farrell had five boys. And every year for vacation, Mr. O'Farrell would take the boys to a cabin at a lake. And Mrs. O'Farrell would stay home by herself. <laughs> and that is the secret to a long and happy marriage. <laughs> I think they I think they were definitely on to something there.